Coming up on 1 o'clock Central here, we always start on time on the Call and Shots podcast. I'm Seth Partnow of The Athletic and Stats Bomb and uh, the book The Midrange Theory. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, my good friend and former uh, uh, co-worker at the Milwaukee Bucks, Mason Yar. Um, Mason is, has, uh, is a data scientist who has a pretty interesting background in his, in his young career. And, and, and Mason, why don't you, uh, you introduce yourself and, and uh, you know, Tell the folks uh, where you've been, what you've done, all that fun stuff. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Seth. Um, so, yeah, as Seth mentioned, I'm a data scientist. I currently work for Molson Coors Brewing Company. Um, so if you're familiar with some of our brands like Coors Light, Miller Light, I, I do data science and statistical work for them, uh, primarily related to commercial problems like sales and marketing. So that's been really fun and, and uh, get to solve some pretty interesting problems. Uh, prior to that, I worked with Seth. Uh, as well as a bunch of other um, people you may know at the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, uh, for there, I was working in their medical slash performance department as a data analyst, uh, doing a similar thing, uh, providing statistical support and data science support, uh, but obviously uh, for a different domain, which is you know kinesiology and sports science. Um, prior to that, I studied to be uh, an actuary, and I spent a brief period of time in uh, health insurance, um, doing actuarial work. And, um, but yeah, so I guess the common thread has been always, uh, data has been present wherever I've been just across uh, many, uh, several disparate domains. So, uh, first of all, I, I should also mention that, uh, that, uh, uh Mason is, uh, a graduate of, of, uh, of Carroll. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, small, uh, university just outside of Milwaukee that happens to have been a, uh, hotbed of NBA analytics talent. Um, Aaron Blackshear, who, uh, runs analytics for the, uh, for the Timberwolves, uh, is, is another graduate. And, uh, uh, Justin Jacobs, who is currently consulting for the league and has worked and consulted for, uh, a number of teams across the league over the last decade is also, so it's, uh, um, you know, a powerhouse in, in the, uh, the basketball analytics space, uh, just outside of Milwaukee. Um, so you let's, let's go right into kind of the, the sports science aspect. I think that's something that gets talked about a lot. And it's been one of those things that, uh, I can't for almost as long as I've been going to like the Sloan conference, it, it's like, oh, what's what's the next big advantage? It's like, oh, well, health and keeping your players on the field and or on the court and injury prevention and and, and so sports science kind of get gets lumped into that, but um, it never really gets defined, at least on stage, past that. So, can you just talk a little bit about you know what that is, and then within that, the role of of kind of a data scientist? Yeah, certainly. So, well, that that, that is a that is a good question you pose, and it's probably one that I, I also share in having, um, you know, if you're looking for a distilled definition, I don't know if I can provide one <laughs> that basically anything related to the court other than the tactical um, and strategic component, right? So more basically anything involving the, the physical performance. Um, so obviously that, that involves, um, you know, strength and conditioning, um, you know, rehab, uh, athletic training and then you know nu- nutrition component as well. I would I would lump into the to the sports science uh, domain as well. So definitely covers a lot. And then I guess depending on how much you want to argue it, maybe the the um, sports psychology component. I guess by by that definition, you would you would wrap under the sports science domain because I guess in, in many respects, you know, sports psychology is a is a reputable um, you know and well studied domain uh, that 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 science has made a lot of 
progress into this point. So I guess you could you could wrap that in as well. But I think people might intuit that as something entirely different. So in terms of of applying data, applying statistics uh, to this field, again, it's it, it seems sort of um, black boxy, and and you know many of the solutions that get touted publicly are in fact black boxy, um, uh, which makes one question uh, their efficacy actually. But can you, without you know giving away trade secrets or anything like that, like tell just what what does it mean to to do data science within a a, a high performance department in a professional sports environment? Yeah, yeah, good, good question. So, um, well, they're, they're really, I guess, the stratification of the public and the private domain, um, as I'm sure you can imagine and, and, and have talked about with basketball analytics, just the wealth of data available to one um, that's on the inside, so to speak, isn't necessarily always at the fingertips of the masses. So there's sort of a, um, a contextual difference uh, there, which... Uh, in many cases, um, I, I, to a degree, gets extrapolated at, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, a professional sports team. Just with HIPAA laws, there's some some data that you can have access to when you're working for a team that no one ever, uh, that you know, in the public space would ever be able to do research on. So there's that aspect of it. But then also too the the more targeted, um, you know, papers towards sports science, you mentioned the Sloan conference. And I remember a couple of years ago, there was one uh, paper that did a, you know, an injury prediction model um, using, I think it was actually box score stats, uh, but then, you know, obviously ca- captured some temporal component of like, you know, number of number of this over the past X days and so on and so forth. And um, from what I recall, I remember reading the, um, you know, the, the conclusions of that paper that there was some decent out of sample accuracy on that model, like relatively better than a coin flip, which is sort of what you're always looking for at a classifier. But what always got me thinking along those lines, right, like these black box models. So if you are presented, like, let's just kind of play the hypothetical situation here that you, you know, adopted this model and practice and we're using this in your day to day. You know, you go to, you know, go to coach, you know, and say, hey, Player X has a seven percent chance of getting injured today, as opposed to the normal five percent. What should we do? And the coach is going to ask you, you know, like, well, what what do I do with that information? Right? Like, what do you are you playing that day? Are you practicing? Like, there's a whole lot of, I guess, okay, now take this and make it useful. That would probably need to be ironed out, but that you know, that's not by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, like, I guess, say. Um, uh, uh, taking shots at the, the the approach, like obviously, you know, any any one attempting to do that should, you know, it, it's definitely a difficult problem. So, right, you know, that that's probably the the piece that I always kind of wonder next is like, how do you actually make that useful and actionable? It's it's funny we we uh, we sort of uh, when we get into the statistical realm, we kind of hate to make a you know a continuous variable into discrete variables. We hate to bucket things because we're like you're kind of losing information and edge cases matter and stuff like that. But then for something like this, I remember uh, 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 Ravi Ramaneni, who is who uh, is now the vice president of something data related with the Seattle Sounders uh, gave a, gave a talk and he, he like did had a similar point of point of view. It's like, okay, well this player has a 32% chance of getting of, of suffering a soft tissue injury. If he, we play him 90 minutes and the coach is like, what does that mean? And so, 
oh, fine. I took this, you know, this, all this time and built this, 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 what I think is a pretty robust model. And now I'm turning it into a stoplight. Like he's fine. Use caution. Don't play him. Uh, and, and it's, so it seems like, you know, just coming up with those definitions is almost part of the application of, of, of what you're talking about. And that's sort of just the, that's the, almost the bluntest, um, instrument you have, right. Is that simple? Uh, he can participate today. He cannot. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, hundred percent correct. And that's, that's a really good example of, uh, of communicating that sort of information. What, what I guess my, where my, uh, question sort of starts from two is you know so someone's if someone's red lighting today what's the probability that they're green lighting tomorrow you know what i mean like it's probably not likely that one day's recovery is going to fundamentally change their risk uh profile in in one day so you 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 probably want to take some actionable intervention uh to try to remedy whatever theoretically could be causing them to to red light in that situation so understanding what it is that sort of putting them at your, your your estimated higher risk is very important so then you can take actions against that particular lever and then make you know decrease the risk going forward so that that that's kind of more um, what I had meant by the application but sure. but you know absolutely the 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 communication aspect that you're highlighting is a very I think a very ineffective method for for such a analysis um so the the other part of that is it is um there's a lot of like promises about again in, in sort of the public uh um you know the the startup space there's a lot of mm. uh, claims made about like you know oh fifty percent reduction in soft tissue injury and and um so uh how do you aside from laughter how do you how do you respond to like those kind of claims and what what kind of you know based on your reading and sort of observation, like what kind of gains are we actually talking about here and in what sort of areas? Uh, like, let, let's stick specifically with kind of the injury prevention aspect. And obviously we'll get to kind of the the, 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 the dietary and training and, and, and all those other things. But it seems like the that's that's sort of the bold-faced topic, right, is, is, is preventing injuries from happening. Yeah, I mean... It's, I guess for me, for me, the, the kind of the, the question I have, and, and I guess before we continue, I should probably take a step back and preface that everything I say about this topic is from the top of Mount Stupid. And by Mount Stupid, <laughs> that, that hump on the, the perceived confidence to talk about a particular subject relative to your actual knowledge. <laughs> so if you, you push me a little bit further and understanding more about sports science, I might actually slide back down the hill and completely uh, clamp up. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I guess the question I have is how generalizable uh, do we consider soft tissue injuries to be? And so when we say soft tissue, I'm guessing we mean not skeletal, like you didn't break your bone, but you know, even, in, even across the soft tissue domain, then you have muscles and then you have tendons, which are actually two very different things. And in, in the context of basketball, we're almost exclusively talking about tendon issues, right? We're not, it's very rare that you'll see a pulled hamstring in basketball. And that's sort of, a product of the court dimensions being small such that it's it's very hard and you know some people might push back on this but i i i don't i, I would say we agree to disagree it's very difficult for a player to get to their max speed in basketball it's an acceleration and deceleration based sport not necessarily a you know like paralleling that or comparing that to soccer where you have this big open pitch it's very easy for players to get up to full speed and there you're dealing with a lot more hamstring and um, groin issues 
Um, whereas in basketball, it's a lot more knee and ankle. So those are tendon issues. So, um, you know, like a reduction in injury, my, my thing is, you know, I guess the, there's kind of two sides to the coin when we're talking about like the, the, what, what causes an injury, there's like a load stimulus and then there's the capacity. And I feel like at least in, with respect to these software companies, one of the, the things that it's always sort of primarily focused on is the load side of it. And I think that's what's sort of communicated uh, in the, I guess the media space as well. When you talk, when you're like watching, you know, the, the sports center or whatever, and someone's out for load management and, and things of that nature, they kind of think about the, like the game load, but like kind of the other side of that coin, it, it, it's what, what sort of strength, training regimen has that player been going through and are they actually prepared you know to play a full 82 game season of nba basketball and i think that that's sort of the piece that's much more harder to distill uh from the public space uh or, or to get inference into rather as opposed so, to if you're actually there it's a it's a different sport but i was i was recently at a at a at a kind of a football event and and, and something came up in this regard where uh you know a, a uh, uh, someone was talking about like the, the 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 sports scientists working with their wide receivers, and it was, you know, one wide receiver was kind of in in sort of the red zone, the other one was not, uh, because this one wide wide receiver was like running every route in practice at like one hundred and ten percent, and the other one was you know ninety percent like running but not like you know busting ass on it, but the the wide receiver who was who was doing max effort always did that and the one who was and the one who was 90 percenting always so so it, it, it strikes me that it, that's probably something that's been a almost a lifelong thing so that would indicate to me that you know one of them is sort of better trained in a practice setting to do that so how do you even yeah he's 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 efforting more but he's efforting more against sort of higher capacity so how do you even like account for that well, and that and that's exactly right. What you just pointed on, and you know, we we don't want to be totally naive. Like you can infer, like the specific example you mentioned, that like, oh, okay, after you know a couple of weeks worth of data, you see this receiver is always running at max speed. So you could, okay, this is this is normal for this receiver, and that's sort of what you're sort of looking for, I suppose, when you're looking at load related metrics, um, is sort of deviations from the, what looks normal, and th- and that could be a, a flag of some degree, but. What you had mentioned prior, I think we could not be understated enough, is that this individual has assumably a, uh, an entire life's history of playing the sport a particular way. And all of the data and all of the reps that an individual accumulates from you know grade school through middle school, high school, college, all the way to the professional sport, that context plays a huge deal uh, when it comes to um, – I guess, understanding injury risk. And so much so that I would argue, frankly, the, the most important, and it will actually, I share this opinion. This was <laughs> communicated to me from, from someone in the field that I respect, but the number one predictor of injury is past injury history, right? So if someone has chronically has been having issues with their ankles, it's probably at a higher risk of having an ankle injury in the future relative to someone who hasn't. And so like that, and, and that's sort of, you know, injury history can be, you could theoretically embed into a sort of injury model if you're so inclined. But I think anyone who, who's attempted that understands that that's very, very messy. <laughs> I don't quite know how, how easy that would be able to you'd be able to generate. Now, the one, to, to, to just quickly highlight that, the one organization that I think could, in theory, 
do that would be the Australian Institute of Sport, which is the like the national governing body of all uh, like sports science, uh, applied sports science research for um, like Olympic endeavors in the in, in Australia, obviously. So they, they have like all of the um, they have all their different satellite uh, institutions in all the different states where the best athletes go to and train. And if you're good enough, you make it to the national um, and, and that kind of thing. So they, they have a lot of data and, and they, they're in a position where they could really well standardize that and develop something that could be pretty robust from that perspective. But, um, it, it's, it's safe to say that, that sort of for most of the history of the field over the recent history of the field, that, that sort of Austra- like the, the, a bulk of the, uh, advances in, in kind of at least in sports science in general, but specifically like, application of data to uh, Australia has been kind of the leader in, in, in that. It may be changing a little now, but it, that it seems to me that that's been over the last couple decades that like Australia kind of figures these things out first. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's, that's pretty well apparent. And I, I think probably a lot of that stems from the AIS, like I mentioned before too, like they have that it's, it's um, you know, it, it's, it's part of the culture. Frankly, and it's it, it, for someone if you know who's sports inclined. It's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool culture. Like you see it with uh, the Australian players that that you come across. Like they're so like you know for example like Matthew Delavadova was super in tune with it with like the the metrics and stuff like that. He was really easy. He very quickly um, you know intuited what load meant and what was normal load and that, and that kind of thing. So like it, it's they kind of they they start they start at a much earlier age in, in sort of the sports science uh, context of, of the games that they play. So, sure. Um, yeah. So let's, let me, uh, we, we've talked actually longer about this than, than I meant to, cause I, I kind of, um, I think to a, to a, a lay audience and, and frankly, even to me, you, you sound extremely conversant in, uh, in kind of the, the sort of the, the, uh, the, the, the lexicon, the jargon and, and sort of the base level of the science. Um, you obviously, so you, you said you, like your previous work experience was both, I was academic and then a little bit in healthcare. Um, how long did it take you to like have the first clue what you're talking about when you were dealing with, with the data that comes out of this, out of these, these measures and, 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 and things like that? Oh yeah. I mean, well, I, that's probably maybe a season or so. And I think the, the, the other thing to note is that when you're talking like a season like the NBA, that's a full 365 days straight, right? Like there is really no days off in that context. So the, uh, it was sort of a crash course, but also to like just the, the um, you know, communicating with, with a lot of like world-class professionals in the space uh, helps a lot. Um, but I think, you know, it definitely it, it took it took a little bit of time, I suppose. But I, I, on that note, too, I wouldn't profess to be a to be an expert on, 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 in the domain. <clears throat> um, there's a lot of lot of really good stuff uh, that can be done that I've read, and even in the public space, that's well above my head. Even so, uh, it's all it's all a learning. It's all part of the learning journey, I suppose. So I guess the the, the another way it, it, would you say it, it took you even that full year to even almost know what you were looking at when you were, you were looking at some of the outputs of these things or um, because again, I, I think one of the, one of the dangers that we, we see in the application of, of kind of statistics, data science, whatever you want to call it is uh, 
not understanding what the numbers on your screen, on your spreadsheet, you know, uh, what have you, what they represent. Um, and it seemed like you, I mean, you, I mean, you had the coldest of cold starts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and so you're, you're, you're actually raising a very interesting point. So the actual, um, and, and this is, this is probably something we could maybe kind of divulge into a little bit later. So what the actual numbers represent, like in, in a, in a, in a physics definition, you know, like I understand what speed is. So you're looking right. at a velocity trace. You're like, okay, I understand what this is I'm looking at, but the relevance to the problems we're trying to solve that took a lot longer to do. And so I sort of, for the first year got really interested in, kind of like the physics and engineering components of sports science, because that was more easy to, I guess, intuit because it was more closely mapped directly to the data we were working at. Uh, but then the actual kind of like taking a step back and understanding, okay, you know, we have these, you know, velocity based metrics. Why do I care about this? And how, how would this be useful in the context of what we're doing? Uh, certainly that that's what took, that's what took some time, but yeah, it, it, it that, that, um, I guess kind of like mapping the, the, the data to the real world in, in a sensible way. It, it's, it's definitely an art for sure. And a, and a, and a very important skill. So I think that that's a, that's a nat natural segue into sort of a, uh, like a big question is sort of like, where are we in, in sort of the understanding of, of these things from a, from a data perspective? Um, for my, my impression sort of from the outside is that the, the public um, greatly overestimates kind of the degree to which all of this, this, the, the data that's capturing, it's, it's, it's an amazing wealth of data. Like you can, you can speak, well, you probably can't speak to it because you're probably under an NDA about some of it. Um, but yeah, uh, just the, the, the sheer wealth of, of, of information that's being captured, you know, in really minute detail about individual joints of individual players and stuff of that nature, but turning that into anything useful. Um, I think the public probably, would be surprised at how 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 comparatively little we've traveled down that path of really understanding and, and operationalizing that. Am I am I off base, or would you agree with with that that general sentiment? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I think my it's so to, you know we'd have to sort of preface this answer with I haven't worked in sports for two years, so any progress <laughs> that has been made across that front in the last you know, two years, I can't speak to, but, um, from what I've seen, yeah, I think, you know, kind of like map, like taking, taking it back to like the examples of like the, the Sloan conferences and the talks on the subject. Um, I think actually most of the research that you see getting posted, I think Luke Bourne and Patrick Ward actually had a paper that they talked about at Sloan where they had this, um, like this, this, uh, like this, the statistical concept called an acute to chronic load ratio, where they basically kind of dismantled it and said like, Hey, this isn't actually communicating what we've thought it's been communicating. We should probably rethink our metrics uh, as they constitute, you know, um, relating to injury risk and things of the nature. So it's sort of almost been taking a step back before taking two steps forward, which could have happened. I'm not sure. Like I said, I haven't worked in it for two years, but, but yeah, I think, um, I think your your assessment is is more generally correct. Uh and and sort of why? 
Like what's, what are the obstacles? I mean, I think, yeah, um, I, I think it's once it's explained, it, it's, it's obvious, but from, from, from the outside, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. And then it, oh. so, so, so why, so, so, you know, we're, we're spending all this money, all this time, all these tests, all this fancy equipment, all these wearables, you know, all these, all this tracking to get us not actually very far. What's the, what's the problem? Oh, well, okay. A couple of things, competing interests, I guess you could still distill it down to that. Fundamentally, like there's, there's, you know, the players union is, I don't want to say at odds, but they have, um, you know, conflicting interests with maybe what, what the league would want at times. And also too, like just the competitive environment of pro sport is like not a conducive uh, environment to collaborative research. You know, any sure. finding that one team can have is hoard that because we don't want anybody else to know that. Um, which makes a lot of sense. Like that—that's the way the, the competitive environment should operate. But there's, you know, it's not very academic. It's not really well suited for academic endeavors. I guess it's one way to put it. I'm not sure if that's the reason you thought, but um, that's sort of like immediately. Well, I, I, I was—I mean, that—that's that, that, certainly part of it. I mean, it, it, and, and but I—that sort of ties in. I mean, it's—it's it's also it's just really hard. Like especially oh. you're dealing with, like I think the sort of the, the broader sports science, like, okay, we, we've gotten better over the last in, in, in athletics too, but we've gotten better at doing like ACL reconstructions just because mm. a lot of people have them and, and they, you know, you improve and, and so on and so forth. And it, that's obviously gotten better in, in basketball, but you're also, you're dealing with a, um, you know, inherently dealing with a, uh, a small sample of outliers who are, you know, both by in, in basketball, but in basketball, probably in, 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 in American football as well, like physical outliers from a, just a, like a size and, and shape standpoint, but also from a, from a, you know, a forces they're putting on the body standpoint and, you know, trying to come up with, you know, uh, while still adhering to kind of, you know, a first do no harm approach, it seems like you're, 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 you're a little bit, you're a little bit wandering, you know, with, with just a flashlight for illumination. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's interesting when you had said that, I think back to some of the other, you know, sports science papers you can read where they do do their best to, you know, perform some, some study or research on, on uh, and they, you know the the term is elite basketball players. Well, what you find that's like the local community college or something, which you know as outlierish as they might be relative to the normal population. Multiply that uh, that differential by tenfold, and then you might be reaching what an NBA player could potentially look like. Um, but yeah, so I, no, you, you're exactly right too. And, and you know the other pieces too. It's sort of it's still tangentially related to the main objective, right? Especially like in basketball in professional basketball, you know, preventing injuries is a, is a, um, it's, it's, it's an ancillary objective on your way to, to, to the object, like the core objective of winning basketball. So while obviously like a lot of research or resources can be poured into it, uh, I'm not exactly sure, uh, you're you're always going to be sort of kind of like being pulled back in some other direction. Right? You can't do a randomized control experiment at the cost of potentially losing a game. <laughs> you hey, know. hey, let's let's whack our best player on the knee and see what happens. Is is not <laughs> is not uh, something that that is is generally uh, advisable, or you you'd get away with the, the players union might uh, justifiably have have a bit of a problem with that. Oh, oh of course, naturally, uh, you know. <laughs> 
not not I'm not sure what sort of research one would be engaging in if that was your uh, if that was your experiment. But um, but no, ex- yeah, no, you're exactly right. You're, you're kind of you're kind of like operating with some additional constraints in that way. So I think that's a natural uh, segue back into sort of the the how this the the, the challenges of of communicating and integrating this stuff into actual decisions, whether it's, you know, uh, a player sits or plays um, minute kind of restrictions. And, and maybe we can talk about how like blunt an, an instrument that is, uh, but also things like, uh, you know, evaluation of, of draft of potential draft picks or, or trade targets. So um, I don't really have a specific question there other than, Hey, that's a big topic that I know you've you 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 spent a lot of time on. So, um, thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think you know we we talked up into this point, like sort of like the data science component uh, of, um, of of you know, applied sports science in a, in a you know an elite setting. Or, I think the probably the more uh, impactful and important um, component to that it's communication and relationship building like those soft skills like you had mentioned sort of like what what sort of goes into the decision component of it well i think you know it's you have to really develop a good relationship with the player and foster trust because i think that that's that's really important like i think it's sort of in before working in sport you kind of have this sort of like i guess you know, like the celebrity aspect of the game, like these, these players, you kind of, it's hard to sympathize like with what they're going through on a day-to-day level. Cause it's almost superhuman, right? Like just, but when you kind of get into it and you realize like, wow, like this is a really demanding lifestyle and like what, what, what these people are, are expected to do on a day-to-day basis is nothing short of remarkable. So uh, you kind of first have to take the approach of, gosh, how can I just help them even in the simplest ways? And I think the way that I kind of did that, I mean, I spent more time making ice bags and getting ice baths and, you know, fetching deodorant from the locker room uh, than, than I think, you know, when, just by glancing at my job title, then one would mob probably into it. But I think that those sorts of things are really important to, I guess, really starting that conversation when you're talking about, I mean, I think, uh, you know, some things are, are more obvious than others. Like, you, you know, you're not going to go back to your, you know, your personal relationship with a potential trade target or something like that, but more talking along the lines of like actually executing, um, you know, sports science stuff on the day to day, you got to build that trust and, and that, um, you know, that, 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 that's first and foremost. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I would relate that to the other aspects of it. Like whether it's, you know, there's also your your building that you know uh, the actually we know what we're talking about and we're 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 also trying to to help us win uh, when you're communicating no don't trade for this guy his knee's about to blow up or uh, you know or no really you should sit the, this 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 player tonight or he's good to go or he's good to go for 20 minutes and and so getting to getting the trust from whether it's the coach or a front office um, to to you know to take to to weight your your what are what are their your 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 opinions on 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 these risk factors right and that's a and that's mm-hmm. a that's a delicate thing that that requires um you know s- some empathy there as well and this is this is certainly something this is a a commonality with kind of the the more 
um, I guess the, the more on-court statistical analysis side is kind of knowing when you can push and when you can be like, mm, I don't agree with that, but not the time. Uh, no, no, that, that, that's a good point too. No, I mean, it, the, everything is super, uh, you know, all decisions as, as I'm sure you can you know, imagine are multifactorial and, and, and the medical prognosis is, is only one of those factors, but you no, know, certainly, I mean, I think, I think, you know, the good ones do it right. They just sort of present their opinion. Like, this is my opinion. I'm not, you know, do with it what you will, but I stand by it. And you kind of just, you know, let the, let the chips fall where they may on sort of where the outcome is. But, um, I think that's a super valuable uh, component of sports science as well. Like you had mentioned the trades and the pre-draft process. Like, I think that that was always my favorite time, uh, time of the year, just from uh, meeting so many new people as they come through and, 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 you know, kind of have their, you know, one in a million job interview. Um, and that, that's just sort of like a, a offhanded comment. You know, I, I always, always joked, like you're, you're seeing a guy, they come in and they're on their, they're in their 15th city in 10 days. And, they're yeah. about to go for this, you know, workout and, and it's sort of like their eyes glazed over because they're just, you know, so tired. But a lot of really, really remarkable humans come through and you get to catch a little bit of their backstory uh, from each one of them, get to, you know, learn a little bit more about their uh, them as an athlete uh, from the physical standpoint, then watch them play a little bit of hoops. So I always really enjoyed that that piece of it. And, yeah. um, I, I, I do remember a specific player who, you know, we had kind of watched a lot of tape on and, and had a sort of a generally positive opinion on and had a pretty terrible workout for us. And, you know, I've, I've written and talked about how I, like, I kind of don't think that like evaluating based on a workout is, 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 uh, uh, over and above kind of several years of, of watching a guy actually play is, is that smart. But if a guy's really bad, it's kind of hard to, and then it's like, Oh yeah, no, he came in this morning and, and yeah, like you said, it was, it, it was his like 10th workout in 10, in 10 cities in 12 days. It's like, Oh, well yeah, that tracks <laughs> why he wasn't maybe. So maybe we should just flush that and pretend he wasn't here. Uh, it's, it's almost, it, it is almost the takeaway from that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. But it is useful too, though, to get to, get to, to have your doctors evaluate them if they do have any, um, you know, historical yeah. or, you know, pre-existing injuries. So that, that, that is, um, Definitely. That, I, you know, I, I, I always thought the, the most important part, like the, the, the real like signal in the workout process was like, you know, the, the, the medical examination and testing and the sort of the, 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 the people part, the person part of it, um, mm -hmm. which is its own, you know, interesting thing now that it's, it's become sort of well-known um, you're almost at, at times you're almost indexing by how good the player's agent is. Cause like, you know, play, <laughs> they, like, you know, some, some players are very well coached up and how to, uh, present professionally and some aren't. Um, and that's, you know, that's an additional kind of confounding factor there. Cause it's, that's not necessarily telling you anything about the player. If you're getting like a script from an agent, almost that, 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 a, that a player has, uh, ha has managed to kind of learn well. Yeah, that is an interesting thought. I I, I wonder, like, uh, now that you say that, that gets me thinking. Do you do you almost imagine that? And I, I'd be curious on your thoughts. Did you find there to be some correlation with the um, perceived preparedness for the interview with uh, with projected draft stock? Like, were were like first round picks better, like seemingly better prepared versus um, you know fringe draft players, maybe maybe G League player? Ah, uh, that's tough to say. I I mean. 
That's tough to say. I think there, there's probably that it, that may be something that gets overweighted in evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, like outside of sort of extreme red flags, I think, oh man, he was a, he was, I mean, I think there was a lot of reporting that, that came out kind of after uh, last year's draft that like Golden State didn't really want to draft LaMelo Ball because he was weird at dinner. It's like, okay, <laughs> like, are you, you're, 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 you're not drafting him to, to be like the New York Times restaurant critic. So, yeah. Um, last question on this before we, we move on. Um, you, like, you were a college athlete, like, obviously not at the level of, of, you know, no, no disrespect intended, Mace, but not at the level of, of, of the people we worked with, obviously. But, like, do you think that that, uh, that experience, like, helped you in terms of, specifically dealing with players and let me preface this uh or or because i think we we both kind of know this so well that maybe folks listening don't um in the nba like the 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 uh, collective bargaining agreement like players can have the uh unilateral right to refuse wearables in in practice so there there's a there's an element of of cajoling that was part of your role in terms of actually even being able to kind of collect data on 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 players so uh, would you say that, you know, your experiences, like, ha- you know, having been in the arena, even if it was a much smaller arena, was were, was helpful? Yeah, no, I think so. I think, you know, I, I don't think, um, you know, my former boss, uh, Troy, was uh, very shy about that fact. Um, you know, obviously, having gone, I played, you know, for, for um, you know, having two years of collegiate football experience, you, you kind of understand to a much lesser degree what the sort of the, the grind looks like from, from from a player's perspective and 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 that grind i have to preface it's not the same you know it's it's more induced by blending academics and athletics which is just different beasts but you, you sort of get it and and you kind of you, you don't really you're not really there for nonsense but you also do sort of appreciate the um kind of like the hallway interactions if you will that that kind of go on you you don't like going to work every single day with with uh, with people or playing whether this be you know in a real job or uh in a sports setting with people that are just downers you know that's not really fun to be around fun sponges exactly yeah (laughs) no so that that, you you kind of pick that up i guess you know when uh you know those longer bus rides to and from games like you, you you the camaraderie that you developed during that. So, yeah, I mean, certainly that definitely helped. And, um, you know, you're right. Like as it maps to the collective bargaining agreement, there was a bit of controlling that had to be done, but I always found that, you know, that, that starts in the long before you, you know, actually go to the court and ask them to, you know, wear some wearable or, or whatever it's, you know, you got to have a conversation with them over the breakfast table or at the taping table. Um, you know, one of my, my favorite things to do is talk about Black Mirror episodes with, uh, with Paul Gasol. That was like, probably looking back on it, one of, uh, one of my, my favorite like daily morning routines. And I kind of really, really missed, uh, missed that after, you know, moved on. But, you know, it's th- things like that. P- you, players see you as more than just, uh, oh, you're the chip guy that's just there, that's here to uh, perform his duties and doesn't actually give a rip about me and otherwise and you know that's obviously not you know yes i'm there to perform my job but you know obviously too you can veto us at any time and like i'm still going to be here so like i have to you know properly contextualize it all sure but it's good it's, it's a lot of fun you i mean you have to i mean it's there you know there is sort of an inherent 
um, as you say, there are, are kind of competing interests here and you're, and even though like it's, it's certainly in your role, like they're 99% aligned um, and just to make sure to do everything possible to get the player to see it that way, that, that like, okay, there's, there may be a tiny aspect of things where, you know, we want to know if there's something wrong so we can pay you less in a contract, but that's a pretty rare, that's a, that's a, you know, it's a pretty rare kind of situation relative to, you know, multiple seasons and things like that. So it's really, we just want you to be healthy and perform your best because if you're healthy and perform your best, we win games and then we all get promotions and raises and, and rings and things like that, um, which is kind of what we're all here for. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, you know, the, <laughs> to, to also, um, Slayer the record. What the, the situation you described is so that is against the rules, and I'm sure that any team that is found to be using wearable data in that contractual negotiation process sure, sure. would be subject to fines. But you know the other thing. But how, but how would like that? Those rules are always like the, the NFL. Yeah. Like that's like how is that like how would you not like what you know you're not like you're not well the you know according to this you're you know your max speed is decreased. You're, you're like obviously you're never going to present it that way. But it's like mm, he's lost a step. We think you've oh. lost a step, like, like <laughs> you know, that's that's like, and that is, and and how is that not like actionable from a you know from a, a player personnel decision standpoint? Anyway, I just I, I just think that's like rules that can't possibly be followed or enforced are stupid rules. Yeah, no, I, I I can sympathize with that viewpoint too. I just had to go on record and make sure that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well it's just it's just like yeah. no, like nobody, like you know. Uh, free agency opens on if the free agency opens on July seventh. Nobody has talked to anybody about you know specific contract numbers or anything. It's just amazing how fast everyone can agree on on both years and amounts incentives. Like you're, it's amazing what you can do in thirty seconds. Oh, um, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um, so I want to switch gears in, entirely, uh, and and um, I think you're a really good person to, to talk to about this because I get asked a lot. Um, as I'm sure you do about, you know, when people fa- have found out like, you know, what either what you did at the time or what you used to do, uh, for a living, you know, how do I get into blah, blah, blah? How do I get into sports analytics? How do I get into sports data science? Um, and you're someone I really wanted to talk to about this because you've had the experience of interviewing candidates with me and people with great paper skills who didn't have, I don't know, would you describe it as imagination or, the like, and this is something I've always been very like not, not to blow smoke, but I've been always been very impressed by your ability to figure out what you needed to learn and then go do it. Can you like is that something that you think that you perce- a perceive about yourself and b do you agree with me about like the importance of being able to do that in actually doing like sportsy statistics and analytics type jobs? Yeah. Well, um, so I guess, like, first off, thank you, thank you for that compliment. Um, and you know, I, I'd say uh, probably, pro- probably, probably true. I, I, I just like, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm generally a curious guy and like to, like to learn new things. And that's sort of like what what makes it fun. Like when you're kind of stagnant, not really doing anything new and exciting. That's when that's when it's sort of actually one of my new coworkers recently gave me a really good example about when it's time to look for a new job. And she said, you know, a job is a, uh, it's bullets on the resume. When you stop collecting bullets, it's time to get a new job. And I was like, Oh, that's a, kind of an interesting way to put it. And it's probably, I sympathize with that, that point. But um, nonetheless, I think we're, you kind of t- 
talked about two different points. One, like the how to get into the to the um, to the sports analytics world, and then two, like how to uh, how to identify and acquire um, meaningful skills. And I think those are probably two very different things, especially in my case. The you know my route into sports analytics was one hundred percent luck. And the and the only reason I mean it was like a perfect stars aligned in terms of what what the Bucks were looking for at the time and what I presented. Um, and I mean, so lucky in so far as that I got hired before I even had a bachelor's degree, which is totally bonkers back now that I think about that and say it out loud. But nonetheless, it is kind of how it happened. It was just, you know, they needed someone local quick to do very, I mean, extremely multidisciplinary work in so far as being, you know, engaging with the players on a day-to-day basis, but also can code. Um, you know, sufficiently to perform the analysis that was needed. So that was probably a pretty, you know, I, how do you, someone local does that and, 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 you know, and has had prior sports experience, probably very few. I, I, I actually, I have no way to intuit what that population looks like, but nonetheless, it was just. Well, uh, I, I can say since I was, you know, part of the group that inter- interviewed you, uh, comparing to the other people who interviewed with us, it was, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> there. There, there were other people who checked fewer boxes. Put it that way. Um, you, you, and, and, the, and the funny part is, is, is like, um, you know, to, just to illustrate the degree to which you can get kind of get thrown into the fire in like a like a sporting situation. Um, I think that was like my first week on the job, and all of a sudden I'm interviewing you for a role. So that was uh, so. So that was that was kind of funny. Maybe that was that was part of the luck for both of us. But yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, uh, Oh no. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, it, it, it is, it is pretty crazy just how fast things, things move in, in that space, like you had said, but, um, you know, to, to answer anyone's questions about curious about getting into sports, like, you know, I, I don't know if like there's, you don't have to like get into the sports to do, to do fun sports sports analytics stuff at all. I think like the public space space is pretty cool and right for a lot of uh, really interesting stuff, even if it's like trivial and re rediscovering something that's already been kind of like well-established in the community, you know, you know, you're not going to, you know, set the world on fire like that, but like part of that, like art of discovering something on your own like that, like I'm sure you could probably attest to it. It's, it's, it's like fun and exhilarating. It's like what it's probably like why you want to even do it. So, you know, like I, I wouldn't, I would say, doing sports analytics for the purpose of joining a team and having all the cloud associated with it. It's probably not the best recipe for actually going out and achieving that. Would you say that's a fair take? I think that's a, um, that, that is a recipe for Pyrrhic victories. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, if, you know, the gods want to punish someone, they, they, they give, they, they grant their wishes kind of thing. Um, if that's, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, there's like, uh, and, you know, we interviewed people who had, you know, kind of meticulously checked boxes. And then I remember a couple of candidates in particular, it's like, so what's an interesting basketball problem you want to solve? And it was like dead silence. It was like, well, I, but, so why do you actually want to do this job then? Or do you just like, and, and so that was the, that, that was always eye opening to me. And these were like very well accomplished, well credentialed, like, objectively smart people who would have been terrible at doing the job as it existed. Yeah. And I, and it was even, you know, 
that's, that's a very good point. And, and, you know, I guess that almost begs the question, like someone asking, what does it take to get into the sports analytics is probably a red flag in and of itself, right? Because you just go do it. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot right. of data, like write a web scraper, go to basketball reference, get some box score stats and do something with it. Like, there you go. You've done yeah. sports analytics. No, I, yeah. That's, that's sort of, a, a, yeah, there's sort of two different questions there. Like that's, that's the, that's certainly the answer for how to get it. Like the, the, the only way to do sports analytics is to do sports analytics, but there's also, I mean, you know, people, I'm sure you get this question from undergrads all the time. I've actually, I've seen you at Carroll get this question from undergrads. Um, yes. <laughs> like, uh, like, so how, like, okay, I, okay, that, I got that part, but how do I get a job? And then that, you know, that, and I think that part is, is as much, like you, you mentioned, there, there's, there's certainly a high amount of, uh, good fortune there, but that's also, you know, it's a famous sports aphorism that luck is the residue of design. And so, um, you know, the kinds of, of the kinds of skills that one needs isn't necessarily, or even primarily about like coding skills. Like, you know, you mentioned they wanted someone who can code. You had basically no experience with the coding language that we used and, but you had done some coding and like, this is, you know, and in three months, Mace was like the best coder in the building. Like I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was like, he was a quick study and that's, you know, we picked up on that and that's part of why you were successful. Um, but that's, that's sort of the, the, the ability to acquire the, to identify and acquire the needed skills is almost more important than, than having the skills. And, uh, and, yeah. and I, I don't know if there's a good way to work on that, but I mean, you, you, I mean, you tell me, is that something you've, you've, you've ever consciously honed or is that just kind of, you're a tinkerer? So it happens. Yeah. Yeah, prob- prob- probably. You know, it, it, it's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know. I think, par- I guess, you, you, you kind of develop developing skills. I guess you know. I think kind of like take. I think um, at least at least as far as I'm aware, you know, you never really can can plan your full future at any given point. So you never really know what you're going to need to know. So, you know, developing some degree of um, being a quick study is usually helpful. But I think probably the easiest way, it sort of just happened, right? The easiest way to explain it is I kind of, you know, hit on my brief history of of work experience. You know, I've worked in pretty disparate uh, fields, I guess you could say, for a very short career that I've had. Um, and I think being able to kind of just experience that, those like, oh shit moments, right? Where you're kind of like at your job, you have no idea what's going on. So you're kind of under the fire. It's, <laughs> you, like someone needs something now and you're kind of like, okay, how do, how do I, how do I navigate out of this? And I think I can just, I can remember at least a seminal moment at each one of my jobs that I've had in the past where it's been sort of one of those moments where it's just kind of like, okay, hey, get this to me by end of week. I'm going to give you no direction. I have high expectations for this. It's very critical. Get it done. And then you're kind of just sitting there and you panic for 80% of it. And then the last 20% it's sort of, you find it all fall into place. And then you kind of have this, this sort of like moment of like a, you know, a huge weight's been lifted off your shoulders. You take a deep breath and you're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. And then you sort of kind of, kind of, you know, after going through a couple of those experiences, you kind of learn that, and this is a question I pose to, 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 to business stakeholders when I'm given a task. I'm like, you know, if I screw this up, is anyone going to jail? 
And the answer <laughs> is inevitably no. I'm like, oh, okay, then like, I'm going to give it my best shot and see how it goes. And then you, you, you just kind of forge ahead and you make something happen. You deliver something. And the reason they're asking you is because they don't have a better answer themselves. So you don't, don't need to be intimidated by the question or, um, you know, have, have any, you know, lack of confidence that you can deliver something, you know, cause, cause it's hard and that's why they're asking you, but just give it your best shot. Now that doesn't mean not have proper respect for it. Like that, that's not what I'm communicating, but I think, Going through a couple of those, um, I guess, fire drills, so to speak, and coming out the other side of them, you, you kind of develop this implicit understanding of how you how you learn very quickly, and then you can kind of map that same, I guess, in, uh, internal process to other domains as well. I would say that that's, to, to sort of add on to that, I would say that those those situations are probably more common in kind of a, a, a professional sports team environment than they might be in sort of an industry environment. Um, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, the, if you're working for a, a technology company, you do technology. If you're working for a sports team, you're doing technology for a, an organization that's core competency is somewhere else. So you're, you're, you, as you said, you're, you know, you're operating without a map, you're driving without a map, you're, you're to some extent making it up as you go all all the time. So like, yes, I expect it to be good, but they don't know what good looks like. So that's on some level that's intimidating, but also a certain amount of freedom to, you know, you, you can, you can kind of free yourself from it having to be perfect because no one knows what perfect looks like. It just has to be better. Um, yeah. And being, and being, I think the comfort in, in operating in that kind of uh, that sort of, of uh, unbounded space, I think is is probably um, the part that separates people who can have have sort of strong technical, statistical slash coding, you know, slash engineering skills from the people who are who who can function well in in kind of that kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm, no, or think... I'm completely full of crap. Well, I mean, it's it's certainly it, it, it is it's certainly a something whether that's the you know the the defining delineation between those groups it's probably 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 something there but yeah no i mean it is yeah it's what i think that's i'm trying to remember because i actually just watched a video of this on youtube the other i think it's called like systematic localization and mapping how robots simultaneously figure out where they are and then build the map of their environment around them it's kind of it's kind of an interesting um interesting topic but yeah what you described it is exactly right. It's building the map and simultaneously figuring out where you are on that map all at the same time. So, I, um, you know, we've gone just about an hour here, so I'll get you out of here on your, your day off uh, pretty soon here. But uh, you still noodle around a little bit on uh, on in, in kind of digging into sports because, you know, I think anyone who has done it in the past kind of still does it some just to, just to kind of sate curiosity. Uh, is it like... Is there anything that you're you've kind of poked around on that you've you've been interested in, or is it mostly like a test ground to to uh, in a consequence free environment, uh, you know, learn new either whether modeling techniques or visualization techniques or or things of that nature? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. One of so one of the things that I've been sort of uh, so recently um, kind of added a little context. Um, 
I recently, you know, just finished schooling. I, I finished uh, my, my master's up at Michigan Tech in statistics. And one of the things from that program that was really interesting was I went into that uh, program because I didn't think I knew uh, anything about statistics. Then I learned I learned about statistics and I got out of that program and I learned, oh my gosh, I know even less. I think I know less now than I did when I went in. Um, so I've, I've been studying, I've been trying to pick up a lot of uh, more formal uh, Bayesian methods, which are pretty interesting, um, primarily because for at least from my perspective, you know, they offer two sort of interesting um, different characteristics in the classical frequentist perspective is that one, you can in, 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 in you can introduce your own prior in, in, into the model. And then second, probably in my opinion, the most prominent advantage is that you can carry uncertainty through to the posterior of your estimates. So you don't necessarily have one one number representing the parameter of your model, rather a full distribution of values, which is pretty interesting. And one of the things that I was thinking about um, in terms of s small sample size statistics in the basketball perspective, if you have rate-based stats, you can well model those with a with a binomial distribution, um, and then what, what what you can do is uh, not not to get in particular, but you can set a <laughs> set a particular prior on that on that rate. You know whether that be informed by past seasons or completely uninformative and uniform over zero to one, um, and collect a few data points over a couple games, and then see how that distribution evolves, and then see where and when that distribution sort of stabilizes on the full season number. Because I think too, what's interesting if you think about like like shooting percentage or something like that. If you think about a player shooting percentage over the full year, they're probably not shooting that same. Like if that's representative, it's, it's, it's not flat across right. the year. It's it's a little yep. bit of a a random walk about that. No, so basically, I mean, in lay terms, I mean, you're describing a process of when do you gain confidence that these that the, like okay, a player has shot. 32% for their career from three, they're shooting 39% this year. At what point in the season are you confident that they've actually improved? Yeah, no, and, and, that's, that, and that's putting some, we, putting some formalization around that. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what sort of, and that's uh, and you know, that's a, uh, for any number of uh, applications, even as just like a, a f sort of a fan, uh, you know, saving yourself from disappointment. Uh, you know, we see it every year, the team that that, that, that gets off like gangbusters because uh, their opponents can't make a three-pointer. Uh, it's like, no, our, we, our, our defense is real. They're, they will continue to not hit 30% of their three-pointers. And then if you kind of, you know, we, it's pretty easy to, uh, to demonstrate mathematically that that, 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 that just ain't so. Um, but it doesn't stop that those fan bases from every single year bemoaning the team's poor second half of the season defense. Um, not to, <laughs> um, you know, as the person who, who, uh, who reigns on uh, December parades um, in, in that way every year and gets a, a different group of fans mad at me. It's uh, yeah. Anyway. Seth, let's collaborate on that. Let's set up a model that will uh, in December <laughs> express how likely is it that you could have observed this 30% defensive three point shooting percentage and then, assumably, you know, given that we structured it properly, it would say this is actually fairly plausible. There, there's a, there's a one percent yeah. chance that your that your team's defense <laughs> is actually good based on this. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> or one percent one percent higher than than uh, than random. And so yeah, maybe, but probably not. Um, Mace, this has been a lot of fun. It's always I always have fun talking with you. Uh, you know, anything else you want to uh, you want to interject or or anything like that before uh, before I get you out of here? No, oh, no, no. I just thank, thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Like you said, it's uh, it's always good to chat and, and kind of get back to the 
talking about some basketball stuff. It, it, it's it's been a while, you know, but really enjoyable. Thanks a lot, Mason. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. I am back. Oh, gee. Um, later in the week, I forget what what day with uh, Andrew Patton to talk uh, actually more similar stuff in terms of uh, of of statistical reasoning and when we know someone has gotten better. So uh, join me then, and thanks a lot. <laughs>